Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Would you open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. We're in a series called Unshakable. This is the fourth week, and we're looking at how do you live a life that's unshakable, even in a world that Elvis Presley said is all shook up. I mean, how do you do that? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to Pastor Keith for all of his work in this series, all the messages that he writes, including this one, the uh, aspect of all the devotionals that he writes, all the time he took in writing life group. How many of you have enjoyed the life group materials? Man, I, I have. That's been so good for me. And we can still get you in a life group if we want you to do that. But this is not a story or not a study of Daniel. You have to understand that. We're talking about Daniel, but it's not a study about Daniel. This is a study about you and I. You and I are Daniel. This is not a study of a country 1,000 years ago called Babylon. This is a study of us today in our land, in a land that is becoming distanced from God, that is becoming a pagan land in front of our eyes. How do you and I live in a land that is becoming foreign to God. How do we do that? And so in these last three weeks, we've been talking about what's it mean when you have major change in your life, when you face pressure to conform, when the world is teaching you one thing, how do you stand against that? Can you? And the answer is yes. Here's the question we're going to ask today. What do you do when you're asked to do the impossible? What do you do when you're asked to do the impossible? Maybe some of you right now are facing what you think is an impossible situation in your life. Or maybe it's a situation that others are putting things on you and say, it's impossible. What do you do? We're going to learn together. So Daniel chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 1. And I always encourage you, bring your own Bible. Bring your own Bible every week. If you don't have one, we'd love to get you one of guest services. I'm going to read reading out of the New Living Translation. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, that's the king, the pagan king, had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. Ever had that? He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamt. Did you catch that? What he had dreamt. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Now think about this. If you were a home builder, and somebody came and said, hey, I want you to build me a home. I want you to determine what's in my head, what I'm thinking. I'm not going to tell you. You determine, and you build it. You'd go, well, it's crazy. You've got to tell me what you want first, and then I can build it. Well, that's what he's asking. Verse 4, then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you'll be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. That's called encouragement. <laughs> Incentive. And if you experience that at work, certain forms of incentive. But if you tell me what I dreamed of and what the dream means, I'll give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me what the dream dream is and what it means. Well, they said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it means. The king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I'm serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But then tell me the dream, and then I'll let you know that you can tell me what it means. 
it's crazy. The king is calling their bluff. He says, listen, if you're the people that can foretell, if you're the psychics, you should be able to tell me. You should be able to tell me what I dreamt and what it means. Verse 10, the astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dreams. No king, however great and small, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is what? Impossible. He says, what you're asking is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they don't live here among the people. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his three friends, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then the verse part of verse 14 says, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them. So Daniel is getting visited by Arioch, the commander. What's his purpose to visit? Kill him. He's not there to, I, I need to tell you about something. Um, I need to give you kind of a heads up on this that's happening. No, one purpose, what is it? Kill him. Let me ask you, what did Daniel do wrong? Nothing. What did Daniel say that was wrong? Nothing. Have you ever done everything right and everything turned out wrong? Mm-hmm, exactly. So now Daniel's face and spot, he had no role in this at all. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't say anything wrong. They're come there for one purpose. What is it again? Kill him. That's it. He's going to die. What do you do when you're faced with an impossible situation, when you're asked to do the impossible? Well, there's really three options that Daniel has here. And to be honest, it's the same options you and I have. Number one, let's pretend it'll go away. Let's just close our eyes, go to our happy spot. Happy, happy, happy. Still there? Let's pretend it, let's pre just pretend it doesn't exist. Let's just do nothing at all. If Daniel chooses that option, what happens to him? He dies. That's option one, he dies. That's same true in your my life. If your marriage is struggling and you pretend like it'll just go away, your marriage will die. If you're upside down financially and you just think it'll just go away, just ignore it, it'll die. Your finances will die. If we as a church become comfortable and we just want to stay just the way it is, let's pretend what's happening out there is not happening. Let's just pretend we will die. When you do nothing, you what? You die. That's what happens. Now, there's a second option. Daniel could try to do some things on his own, on his own power, fail, and what happens to him then? Okay, so he's two for two. That's pretty exciting so far. But there's a third option. What if we trust God and stretch ourselves out onto what's impossible? What if we do that? Possibly we die, but possibly we don't. Think about this. Daniel's best chance of living is option three, living in the impossible, and it is the same for you and I. You and I are called to live in the realm of the impossible because when you and I sit back and just want to be comfortable and do nothing, we will always die. That's why the story is not about Daniel. This story is about you and I in our life. So let's ask a question. Let's learn. What do you do when you're asked to do the impossible? Take out your message notes if you would. And there are six things that we're going to learn from Daniel's game plan that you can apply to your life and my life as well. Here's the first one. He didn't panic and neither should we. So turn to the person on both sides of you right now and say, don't panic. 
over the last few weeks, we've actually looked at a number of verses that tell us, as Pastor Keith would say, don't freak out when things happen. Faith up. Here's one out of 1 Peter 4. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as though something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Man, we, I don't know about you, but we live in a world where we get alerts all the time. Do you get those on your cell phone? Alerts. Weather alone. A couple weeks ago, we had tornado alerts. Coming up, we're going to have snow alerts, blizzard alerts. We have rain alerts. Sorry, just telling you, it's happening. But add on to those alerts. You got news alerts. You have stock market alerts. You have emergency alerts. Typically, do alerts give you good news, bad news? Bad. Alerts cause you to panic. That's what alerts do. Just for fun, wouldn't it be funny if you just on your phone got, I love you alerts? I love you. Yo, you're wonderful. Ding. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Well, look how Daniel responds. Chapter 2, verse 14. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel hit, handled the situation by panicking. No. With what? Wisdom and discretion. Think about that. One of my favorite stories is in the New Testament. It's Jesus. He's on the boat with his disciples. They're out in the sea, and it is a massive storm. Massive storm, so much that the disciples think, we're going to die. We're going to die. What is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping in the boat. The disciples are all panicked out. We're going to die. We're going to die. Yeah, that's it. Right on cue. Bam. God's in the house. (laughs) And here's here's what I love. Here's what I love. I mean, disciples are panicked out. Jesus is sleeping. So they wake him up saying, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. And I I wish I could be there. Here's how I picture it. I picture Jesus up and getting up and going, be still. (laughs) Everything just settles down. Then he turns to the disciples and goes, Uh, why are you afraid? I see it because if you know Jesus, why would you and I ever panic? He owns it all. He sees it all. It's interesting. Over the last year, God has asked me two questions just on a continual basis in my heart. Just two questions. Number one, do I believe his word? Read, do you really believe my word? Let me, if I said, how many of you say, I believe the Bible. How many of you say that? Okay. The second question he asked me is this. Do you trust me really? Do you trust me really? Let me ask, how many of you say, I trust God? Okay, I'd raise my hand to both. But then God came to me and said, Reed, if that's the case, then 1 John 4 says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, which means you have victory. You start every day from victory. You always live in victory. You're always in victory. Number two, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need, which means, Reed, you start from abundance. You start from abundance. And yet... Do you know how many days I struggle? Because I, I tend to want to start my day from a position of lack and defeat. What I don't have, what I've lost. No, if you and I believe this, trust him, then we should never panic because you start every day from victory. You start every day from abundance. 
So let me ask you, what are you panicked about? What are you worried about? Is it your kids? Is it your job? Is it your finances? Is it something from the, the past? What is it? Don't panic. Here's the second thing Daniel will show us. Ask why. Ask why. What I mean here is learn all the facts. Learn all the facts and especially what's the emotion behind it. You have to get the facts. Proverbs 23, 23 says it this way. Get the facts at any price. I encourage you to write this phrase down. Learn to ask questions. Don't make statements. Learn to ask what? And don't make what? But happens this. When we get into a panic, you know what we do? We make statements. We're going to die. We're going to die. I just read the farmer's almanac. It's going to be a terrible winter. It's a terrible winter. I'm going to lose the, the recession's coming. We make statements. It's key that, that we don't do that. You know, it's interesting. One of the greatest stock market crashes in the United States history happened in 1907. Stock market dived 55% in three days. It's called, if you look in the history books, it's called the panic of 1907. That's what it's called, the panic of that. Why do we panic? Why do people panic? You know why? We're afraid we're going to lose something. Anytime you and I panic, it's because we're afraid we're going to lose something. Think about this. If your boss at work says, hey, I need you in my office right now. In your head, you go, oh, oh, I might be getting that big raise. I might be getting that promotion. No, what are you thinking? I'm going to get what? That's what you're thinking. We panic all the time. See, when you ask somebody to do the impossible, or they've asked you to do the impossible, you have to find out why are they asking? What's the motive behind it? Nebuchadnezzar is asking something that's impossible. Why? What's fueling it? He's afraid. He's afraid of losing something. And he doesn't know how to handle it, so he makes this incredible thing, and he kind of vomits fear all over everybody. He's afraid. Let me ask you, what are you afraid of, really? I love to ask, I love to, I love to ask that question sometimes of people that I'm spending any kind of time with. And I ask them, what is your greatest fear? What is it really? Because that's the key to anything. It's interesting how Daniel responds. Daniel 2.15 says this. Daniel asked Ariok, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Ariok told him all that had happened. Repeat this after me. When emotion is high, logic is low. Always. So if you're asked to do something that's impossible, the first thing we talk about is don't what? The second is ask why. Ask why. Here's the third thing that Daniel will teach us. Ask for time to create a solution. Ask for what? Time to create a solution. Pastor Keith told us a couple weeks ago the story of the squirrel and the bunny. Remember that one? And the phrase was, don't scurry, be what? Be happy. You know what? Too many times we don't do that. We, we make quick decisions, quick decisions. How many of you have ever made a quick decision that wasn't the right decision? It's interesting. If you ever take Financial Peace University, which I so encourage you, if you've never taken, you absolutely should. It'll help you so much financially. It starts in a week. But they'll tell you this. The greatest number of automobile accidents happen on the parking lot of the automobile dealership. When you buy something, quick. And you should have taken time to think about it. It's always the case. Look how Daniel responds. Verse 16. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time so that he could tell the king what the dreamt meant. 
Now, why was Daniel motivated for more time? Well, duh, his head. Actually, I think, though, it's something different. And Pastor Keith pointed out this week, when, when Pastor Keith said, I went, man, I hadn't thought about that, but you're so right. Think about this. If Daniel's killed, they came to kill him, and if he's killed, where does Daniel go? Heaven. He's in heaven. How many think that that's a good day? Yeah. I mean, if right now God said, okay, I'm taking all of you up to heaven right now. Here we go. Man, no more suffering, nothing. The rest of it, just glorious ever. Absolutely, it's a great day. But if something happens to Nebuchadnezzar, where does he go? He goes to hell. Daniel understands, if I die now, I'm, I have no fear. I know where I'm going. But if I die, who's going to tell Nebuchadnezzar about God? He will go to hell forever. So what motivates Daniel is not just his neck. What motivates him is the king's eternal salvation. You know what motivates us most of the time? <laughs> us, we, what we love. Even in church we do it. I go to the church because I love the music. I go to church because I love the message or the service or my life group. There should be one reason that we do anything. It's what motivates God. You know what motivates God? Lost people. So one thing motivates God. He'll leave the 99 for the one, always. Even as we look next week to our 20th anniversary, what a great gift we could give someone to invite them to come and they would know eternity and be in heaven forever because of that. So what do we do? We don't what? We ask. And we ask for? Absolutely. In fact, there's a verse, 2 Peter 3, 9. says this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but that everyone would come to re repentance. So here's the fourth one. We enlist prayer support. What kind of support? Prayer. Look at it in verse 17 and 18. Then Daniel went home and told his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what had happened. Then he said, we're going to die, we're going to die. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He said, then he said, Pray that the God who rules from heaven will be merciful and explain this mystery so that we and other advisors won't be put to death. Impossible situations require the power of a possible God. One of my favorite stories, you don't have to turn to it, it's in Acts chapter 12. It says this, about that time, King Herod began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, one of the 12, killed with a sword. So he killed James. When he saw how much it pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. So what's he going to do with Peter? He's going to kill him. Man, they saw how much it pleased to have James killed. He's now going to kill Peter. So he arrested him. This took place in Passover. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover to do what? To kill him. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed earnestly for him. That's Acts 12. You want to read the whole chapter. It's a great miracle. What happens is simply this. Peter's life group started praying for him. They started praying earnestly for him. That's why I've been talking over the last couple of weeks that we said if one can slay a 1,000, how many can two slay? 10,000. Ten times the amount. If you're praying by yourself, yay. But if you want to see power, enlist others to pray with you Amen. on that situation. The Bible talks about it all the time. Let me ask you, what is it that you need a miracle in your life? Let me come back to it. What's impossible for you right now? Have you enlisted people to pray for you? When, when's the last time that you asked a group of people to come together and pray? When's the last time you prayed all night for something? Or you prayed and you fasted for something? It's spiritual warfare. 
See, when you do that, God then moves on your behalf. And that's what Daniel did. Daniel says, listen, we're not going to think of ideas here. We're not going to create a, create a solution. We're going to go to the solution maker, the one who will give a solution. Let's pray. Let's pray. It's the first thing that we need to do. So if we come back to it again, he says, don't what? Don't what? Ask. Ask for. Enlist. Here's the reality. If you and I panic, you know what that tells us? We haven't prayed. When I see somebody and they're panicking on something, I contend usually they haven't prayed. In fact, let me ask the last thing. As we end the service here, you'll see brothers and sisters up here to pray with you. Let them. They want to be, go on your behalf and pray for an answer to whatever is impossible in your life. Here's number five. Once you've done those things, now, number five says, expect God to do the supernatural. Expect God to do what? Do you have ever, do you have little children or grandchildren? And what happens is you say, show me your muscles. And what do they do? do, they do? <laughs> and you're going, whoa, look at those bad boys. Yeah. <laughs> do you know that's what God wants us to do with him? God, would you show me your muscles? God, show off your muscles, would you? Would you show them off? God says, just ask me. Ask me to flex my muscle. Here's how he says in Jeremiah 33. He says, call to me, I'll answer you, and I'll show you marvelous and wonderful things you could never figure out on your own. God says, I dare you to ask me. Please, I want to show it to you. I want to show you. But you need to ask. He wants to put his super on your natural so you can do something supernatural through you. I read this in a book by Mark Batterson. He says this. We have to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. That's how a lot of people live. Man, I'm living a life that's comfortable, pretending not things are happening, just, just safe. want to be safe when I get to death. Man, that's not the way you live at all. God wants us to live out into the impossible. Why? Because then he gets to show off and only he can take credit for it. We can't. It's only about him. God says, ask, 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 ask. In fact, he says in the Bible, you don't have because you don't what? Ask, you don't ask. If that's 20 times, he says, ask, 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 ask me, ask me, I'll show up. But if you ask, you have to have something, faith. Here's how it says in James 1. But when you ask him, be sure that you expect him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that's tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. See, in world today, there'll be all kinds of people that say, impossible, impossible, can't be done. God takes the same letters and says, uh-uh, I'm possible. I'm possible. Let me show off. You might say, me planted church? Are you kidding me? There's no way I have no background. You know how old I am? You know my situation? There is absolutely no way I could ever plant a church. Impossible. You know what God says? Uh-uh, I'm possible. I dare you. Go for it. Let me prove myself to you. Let me show off to you. Let me show you things that you haven't even dreamt of. I'll flex my muscle on your behalf. Let me have it. Just give me a chance at it. Just ask. Just ask. That's what he says. You might say, me adopt a child? No, I, I couldn't do that. I mean, we already have this. I financially can't. No, no way I got the job. Impossible. God says, uh-uh. I'm possible. I put something in your heart. Go for it. Go for it. I'll show off to you. I'll flex my muscle. 
I'll give you the resources when you need it. I'll be provider. Just give me a chance. Just let me try. Just give me it. Let me have it. Go for it. You might say, me, education, we've been talking about our university. We're going to be starting. We had a good group yesterday. You might say, me, I hated school back then. Are you kidding me? You, you say I should even think about education, ministry ex education especially? There's no way. I can't fit in my schedule. Impossible. You know what God says? I'm possible. Go for it. I will let you have the resources when you need it. I'll show off to you. But I can't unless you ask. I can't. You might say, tithing. I can't pay my bills now. Are you kidding? I can't even, I don't even have enough to pay my bills now. Impossible. What does God say? I'm possible. He says, I'm possible. Stretch out. Try it. I dare you. I will flex my muscles. I, I want to show off to you. I want to show off to you so bad, but I can't because you're not asking me. See, we got to expect God to do the supernatural. Because here's the reality. If you do nothing, you die. Here's how Robert Kiyosaki says it. If you're the kind of person who has no courage, you just give up every time life pushes you away. If you're that kind of person, you'll live all your life playing it safe, doing the right things, saving yourself for something that never happens. And you'll die a boring old person. Boy, that's America. That is not the way we're supposed to do. How many already figured out you're going to die anyway? Why not then go on the impossible? And let's do it that way and see God stretch himself out. So what do you do when you're asked to do the impossible, when you face an impossible situation? First of all, you don't what? Yes. Ask for. You enlist. And you expect God to do. And all the way through, you do number six. You worship God. All the way through. Not just at the end, not just the end when everything's there, but all the way through. Because worship now says, God, I trust you in this journey. I trust you all the way through it. You have it. Look in Daniel 2. We're going to look at verse, starting verse 19. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. They've been praying. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. And look how he prays and how he worships God. He praises God, first of all, for who he is. Look at verse 20. He said, praise the name of God forever and ever. He has all wisdom and all power. Man, just praising God for who he is. What if we just all day, that's what the angels do. They just praise God for who he does. So every now and then, I'll just walk through the alphabet. And I'll just think of all that God is, the qualities of God. God, you're adorable. You're beautiful. You're constant. You're dedicated. You're everlasting. You're faithful. Man, you're the great I am. You're the host of heaven. You're invincible. You're just. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're merciful. You're near to me. Make sense? All the way, I just, all the attributes of who God is. But then the second part, he says, he honors God for what he does. Look at verse 21. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he's surrounded by light. And then he just thanks God for everything. Verse 23, I thank and praise you, God, my God of my ancestors, that you've given me wisdom and strength. You've told me what we asked of you, and you've revealed to us what the king demanded. See, friends, we, we worship not because of how we feel. We worship because of what we know. And we know that God is there. We know his word is true. And we keep worshiping, and we keep worshiping even in the journey of seeing the supernatural. Let me ask again. What is it that's impossible for you right now? You might say it's impossible for me to overcome this situation. What is it? As the band comes up, 
I want to look at the last couple of verses because I want you to see how it ends. Look at verse 26. Ariok brings Daniel to the king and says, hey, Daniel can interpret the dream. Verse 26. The king said to Daniel, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it meant? I love Daniel's response. Daniel's response is, no. Look at it. Verse 27. Daniel said, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. He said, no. He says, can you do it, Daniel? Can you tell me what the dream is? Daniel goes, no. Nope, can't do it. Nobody can. But then the seven greatest words, I think, in the scripture. But there is a God in heaven. And Daniel tells him the dream. And everything changes. See, whatever you and I think is impossible, whatever you and I think is the, the mountain in front of you, everything that we can't overcome, but there is a God in heaven. So you might say, Man, you don't understand, Reed. My life is so full of addiction. It has been there for years. I cannot, every time I take a step forward, there's three steps back. Every time I make a pledge, it seems like I fail on it. I can't. It's over and over and over again. I can't do it. I can't do it. Impossible. But there is a God in heaven, Monty Gannon. And in God redeemed Monty. He cleaned Monty. And he sent Monty and his wife to Omaha, and they're seeing hundreds, and they will see thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ. Because Monty says, impossible? God says, no, I'm possible. That's what it is. You might say, man, you don't understand. Sex abuse is a child, and for decades, I carry that into my life, and it's chaos. It's chaos in every aspect of my life. Man, I can't do that. Impossible. But there is a God in heaven, Michael Freeman. Amen, he is. He says, Michael, I'm going to take it all from you. And if you haven't heard Michael's story, he literally snatched Michael from death. Literally. Gave him a wife and they're going to Chamberlain and they're going to see thousands of people in that area come to know Jesus. Why? Because it's not impossible. God says, I'm possible. Man, my background growing up is so dysfunctional. I grew up in a gang. That was my family. I mean, how dysfunctional is that? I get married and we're both in addiction for over 20 years, fully addiction. Impossible. No, but there is a God in heaven, Art and Nellie Rodriguez. And we're going to send you to Sioux City. And they're there now, starting it. They just started their first three life groups. And they're going to build a church down there that's going to reach thousands of people. Why? Not impossible, because they believe God when he says, I'm possible. Man, God, you understand, I'm so upside down in my identity. I've been trying it from relationships and, and job and money. I've been trying all this and I'm so upside down. I don't even know who I am. Impossible. But there's a God in heaven, Wade Coffee, And I'm going to give you my identity, Wade. Since you don't know who you are, I'm going to give you my identity. You're in me now. And I'm going to send you to Fargo, you and your wife. And you're going to see thousands of people come to know Jesus. And they will. What is impossible for you? What is it? What are you afraid of? What is it you can't seem to get beyond? Is it something you can't forgive? Maybe someone else or yourself? Is it something that's been in your heart for a long time, but there's just so much fear you can't because you think impossible? Here's what I believe. If Daniel was here today, he would say, but there is a God in heaven. Let him prove himself to you. Dare to trust him. And in doing so, he will say, impossible? No, I'm possible. Let me flex my muscles and let me show everyone around you what a God that I am.
That's the God we serve. So what do you do when you face an impossible situation, when you're asked with the impossible? Daniel just showed you. It's not about Daniel, though. It's about you. It's about me. It's not about Babylon. It's about right now, today. This is a story for you and I right now, today. So in a minute, I'm going to pray for you. And then as we finish with worship, we're going to have brothers and sisters are going to be up the front here to pray for you. They are here to agree with you in your impossible situation. And you're going to say, man, I, nah, uh, I'm in the middle of the row. You know how many people I'm going to have to, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. What are they going to think of me? Uh, they're probably going to think that you're going to get a miracle. That's probably what they're going to think. Don't let your pride, don't let your fear keep you from the miracle. Let them agree with you on it. Father God, we thank you. God, this is not a word about Daniel. This is not a word written thousands of years ago. This is a word for us. This is us. We're Daniel. At least we want to be. God, we live in a world where everything's impossible. We can't do it. It's not possible. But God, you say, I'm possible because of what you did on the cross. So God, I now pray for our family here that whatever they're going through, that they would trust you, that they would stretch themselves out. They would agree with brothers and sisters here in prayer. And God, that you would move in ways they can't imagine. We love you. We adore you. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.